And if I plug that on, it reminds me to say hello to you if you're listening on the tape. Uh, the sixth week, we're in the second half of Alpha. The end is nigh. Um, have you got have you got the sheets here? Uh, how can we be sure of our faith? And I think the idea tonight is it's a little bit of a stock take ahead of the Alpha Day, uh, when we're going to be looking at the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and um, and then on into the rest of the course. And you'll see that verse there from a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, and he said, those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore. For the old life is gone and a new life has begun. When those who become Christians, they, they're, they're like, they become new persons. Um, they're not the same anymore. The old life has gone a new life has begun. And I want to, I want to sort of explore a little bit as we ourselves, I, I, I'm just going to assume, are, are exploring this journey of faith or this entry into new life, this new birth, if I can put it like that. How can I be sure of, of something that is, that is basically lived by faith and therefore, in a sense, I can't see or grasp like I can something solid and material like this stand here. How, how do I know? That God is real. How do I know that that this Christian faith that I'm exploring is is real in my day-to-day life? I want to start just with one or two things that aren't on the the sheet, and then we'll we'll look at those three headings. Uh, and the first, really, is just to explore this idea of 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 what a Christian is, because um, I meet a lot of people, and I'm I'm sure you do too, and maybe this is where you were as you came on Alpha, who would say, well, basically, Christians are, the, are nice people. Uh, and it's about, being, it's about being basically as nice as you can, as, as civil and as, as sort of moral and decent um, in relation to other people. And hopefully, over these last few weeks, we've kind of slayed that myth a little bit. Um, because Christianity is not ultimately to be understood in relation to other people, although our relations with other people are important. I can think of someone um, I trained to teach with. Uh, she would describe herself as an atheist. She really, she did not believe. She understood it as a faith position, and she really did not believe that God exists. She just, no way. But she was such a wonderful person. She was, if I'm honest, far nicer than quite a few Christians that I knew. So if we were going to use the criteria of niceness, then you would have to say that she was far more of a Christian than some of the Christians that I knew, including myself from time to time. So, you know, a Christian, it, it can't be defined as someone who's a nice person. What about, and again, I encounter this often when I'm on um, baptism visits, for example, people, and uh, they, they make the assumption, and I quite understand this, that by virtue of the fact that they were born and have been brought up and live in a, in a Christian country, um, therefore, aren't they sort of by inference, almost by osmosis, uh, Christian? But I want to argue that just as Christians aren't defined ultimately in, in relation to other people. Neither are Christians defined in relation to a place. And uh, that you can no more argue, I think, that um, by being born and living in a, in a Christian country makes you a Christian. I don't, you no more argue that than being born in a McDonald's restaurant makes you a hamburger. Um, <laughs> or that if I was to move to um, Sudan, I, I, that would automatically make me a Muslim. Um, it, it's not in relation to the place where you live that we understand Christianity. People say, no, obviously it's to do with um, a belief in God. 
And uh, so people say, well, I, I believe in God, um, whoever she is, um, or whatever that is. I, I, you know, I believe in God. I think Christians would want to say it needs to be a little bit more specific than that. James, who wrote a letter in the Bible, he said, the devil believes in God. <laughs> uh, many people can claim a belief in God, but the Christian faith says that God, if you like, believes in us. And uh, as we're about to celebrate at Christmas time, he, he came to us to live amongst us, to show us what he is like, Jesus. Jesus Christ. And Jesus died to cancel the debt of sin in order that we may start a, a new and real relationship with God. So Christians understand themselves as, as being in a personal relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian is. And, and I, I guess, as I said um, at the start of the course, the key word there, not so much religion as relationship. And we all know when we're in relationship. It might be a family relationship, it might be a working relationship, it might be um, a community, neighbourly relationship, uh, a romantic relationship. But whatever the relationship is, you, you know that you're in it, you're, you're sure. I mean, from time to time there are uncertainties within it, but you basically know if you're in a relationship. I'm always um, uh, struck by the uh, the, uh, the questionnaires that we put out at the end of the course and we'll do that at the end of this course where we invite you to make comments on the course so that we can improve it in whatever way we can and um, so we just asked one or two questions of those who participated and one of the questions we asked just to try and get an idea of where people were coming from as they came on Alpha one of the questions we ask is would you have described yourself as a Christian at the start of the course and here are some of the responses um, would you have described yourself as a Christian at the start of the course? Sort of. Someone else put to the question, would you describe yourself as a Christian at the start of the course? Not sure. Someone else put dot, 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 ish. That's all they put in the, as, the, as the answer. Someone else put, yes, but on reflection, no. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because if Christianity is a relationship, I wonder if we were to map those, those answers to any other relationship. Let, let, let's take a marriage relationship. Supposing I'd asked you at the start of the course, um, were you married when you came on Alpha? And you replied, sort of, or not sure, or dot, 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 ish, <laughs> or, or yes, but on reflection, no. It'd be, sort of, it would, it'd be a bit unusual, wouldn't it? And in one sense, in one sense, it's no different when we talk about Christianity is a relationship with, with God. It's, uh, it's something that God wants us to be sure of. He, he, he doesn't want us to be lingering in, in some kind of uncertainty. He wants us to know. Now, I want to sort of track these three headings here. Um, but just before I do, to explain uh, the, what I've put on the, the notes here about um, what, what Christians call the Trinity, this understanding of God as being one God but three persons, and um, hopefully this is this is as much to sort of tee up the teaching on the on the day away when we think of the third person of the Trinity, the third person, the Godhead, uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, but people can often get a little bit 
confused, and I, I, I want to tee this up now because I hope you'll see that the, 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 the assurance of our faith involves all three persons of the Trinity, and that will become clear as I uh, carry on in a, in a few moments' time. But just to have a, a, a picture maybe to help us, I wonder if it helps if you think of a, of a book, a novel. It's, it's, it's one thing. But it can equally be said to exist in three distinct ways. It exists in the mind of the author who created the storyline and the characters and brought it into being. So the book exists in the mind of the author. But the book also exists as an entity, a created being in its own right. Pages, paper, cover. So it's it's real, if you like, and and, and earthed. It's, It's an expression of the author's mind and creativity. But also the book exists in the mind and the experience of the reader, the readership. So that one thing can exist actually in the hearts and minds and imaginations of hundreds, thousands, millions of readers. And in a similar way, it's not a perfect analogy because of course a book is impersonal. You don't have a relationship with a book. Um, Whereas Jesus clearly related to people as he was present amongst us. But do you you get the idea of how one thing can exist in three distinct uh, entities? And um, so Christians come to, it took them centuries to wrangle through doctrines of the Trinity to come to some kind of understanding. And even now you can tell I'm struggling to really explain. Um, I don't think we'll ever fully understand it. But as an attempt to get our heads around how God can be real to us so that we can be sure of our faith, then an understanding of the Trinity is um, quite important. How can I be sure of my faith? How can I be sure that I'm a Christian? How do I know I was born? First of all, there's documentary evidence. This, yeah. yeah we, got some, we had a lovely old book. Um, this isn't quite as old as that book. I hasten to add, Georgina. But this, that's my birth certificate. So if I wanted to be sure that I was born, um, I can look at the documentary evidence. And we see that uh, Mrs. Stilwell and Mr. Stilwell, well, Mrs. Stilwell gave birth to me, uh, and Mr. Stilwell was, actually he wasn't in attendance, I happen to know that. Um, He was reading a paper next door, but um, (laughs) I was born. And, And there's documentary evidence. And we have, if you like, we have documentary evidence that the word of God, God has spoken to us, revealed himself to us in his word. And we heard about uh, that last week with, with Rupert. And within the pages of scripture, this inspired writing, are, are promises of God. Promises that he exists, that he's real, that he wants us to be in relationship with him. You, you see a couple there on the sheet. One of them, uh, an assurance through the words of Jesus to the disciples as he sends them on this um, eternal worldwide commission and, and the, there's a promise that goes with it. I'm with you always. I'm always with you. Right at the end of Matthew's Gospel. There's a little promise for us as we begin to explore the possibility of living our lives for God as his ambassadors, as his servants. That he is, he's promised to be with us always. That the life that we live, secondly, see there's another promise there. Again, through the words of Jesus from God, recorded for us in this document that he gives us eternal life, the the intensification of life as he intends it for each of us to live. 
as he lives in us by his spirit. So a couple of promises there, many others. Why don't you, in the discussions, ask your group leaders if they've got a a favourite promise from the Bible, from scripture, which they've maybe memorised and they bring to mind from time to time to remind them and to assure them that the word of God gives them confidence in their faith. So that's firstly, we can be sure of the word of God um, documentary evidence. But secondly, how do I know I was born? Because there was an event, my, my birthday, your birthday, something happened. Uh, you, you, you plopped out. An event recorded with the, the, um, uh, the certificate, maybe one or two photos, a video, I don't know, what it, whatever it was. There was an event in history. And similarly, we can be sure of the fact that an event has taken place in history the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he, he was a figure of history. He really existed. We can look him up in the historical documents and uh, supremely, obviously, through the historical documents, the gospel accounts of Jesus' life. And we can remind ourselves of the fact that our faith is based not on what we do, what, what, what can I do to become a Christian? We can't do anything. It's based on what he's done for us. In coming to us when we were ignorant of him, of laying down his life, giving his life as a ransom for our sins, so that the wages of sin, Paul calls them in his letter to the Romans, the wages of sin are, are paid in his death so that we might go free. We can't do anything to earn that. We'll never know whether we've done enough. It's a gift, pure and simple. The work of Jesus on the cross. Of course, I say that, and and this day and age, we're suspicious of gifts. Um, I mean, do you remember when I held out the £10 note a few weeks ago? It took a bit of time, didn't it? Um, What what I love about children, I did a similar kind of thing on Sunday, uh, if you weren't there, you you missed it, but just with a bar of chocolate. What I love about children's hearts is just completely different, no cynicism at all. You know, all of them expecting to get the chocolate. I said, how many of you came to church today expecting to get chocolate? Everyone put their hands up. (laughs) Yeah, right, I love that. Um, You know, and interesting, as a little aside there, Jesus says, unless you become like children, you will not see the kingdom of God. There's so much, they find receiving gifts so much easier. Than, than we do. And we find it hard. You know, you, you, you open up an envelope uh, it's dropped through the post. Congratulations, you have, you know, you, you, are, you are the winner of £7,000, whatever it is. But absolutely free. And you think, yeah, right. You know, where's, <laughs> where's the catch? Um, and you've got to sort of subscribe to some club or something or, or you know, three years subscription to something else. Uh, and in one sense, this, this gift of forgiveness and of new life, I, I say it's free for us. Of course, it, it costs Jesus everything. I mean, in one sense, it's not a free gift, because it cost him his life. But he gave his life that we might receive his life in us for free. It's the greatest deal in history. And we can be sure of that as we look back on the gospel accounts and the historical accounts of Jesus' death and resurrection. I've mentioned this in the first week. And the resurrection, God's miraculous raising of Christ from the dead. I I don't understand how he did that. Fortunately, God is not asking me to understand it. Fortunately, 
God doesn't ask me to understand everything about the life I live. I don't understand how... Oh, it doesn't work. (laughs) Well, all right, lights then. I don't understand how electricity works, but I don't live in the dark. I don't understand how the combustion engine works, but I don't walk everywhere. I I drive the car. Uh, I I don't check that the bus driver has passed his driving test and his sight test and knows what he's doing. I just... I I, I live by faith in that respect, uh, in all sorts of, of ways. So I don't understand how God raised Jesus from the dead, but I believe there's enough evidence to put my trust in the fact that he did. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is another event in history that assures me of the past. It wasn't like he resuscitated Jesus. He brought him back to new life. It was a vindication of the death the victory over death of Jesus Christ. The resurrection was a vindication of that. Look, this death has not ultimately defeated Jesus. Here he is living new life. So it assures us of that past event. It assures us in the present because it means that Jesus is eternally alive, made alive by God. He is eternally alive and therefore alive today. Christians understand that as they pray to him and worship him. And anticipate hearing from him. It's because he's alive. And it assures us the resurrection of the future. Of the fact that there's life beyond the grave for us too. True life. Real life. As we become alive to God. So the word of God and the work of Jesus. Which we can put our trust in. Base our lives upon. Be sure of his presence even today. The difference between faith and trust, Blondin was this uh, great daredevil and uh, famous in the, I think it was the 19th century, he was born in 1824, famous for walking along a high wire suspended across Niagara Falls. It was um, uh, over a thousand feet long and 160 feet above the falls and he used to walk across with a, with a pole, there were the viewing galleries and you could watch him do this, he was often dressed all in white. And uh, he would walk with this great big pole. And then, and then he'd put the pole to one side and he'd get a wheelbarrow where the tyre had been taken off. And he'd walk along the um, wire with a sack of potatoes in the wheelbarrow. And he'd walk along the wire across the Niagara Falls and then he'd walk all the way back. And then he'd stop and he'd call out to the crowd and he'd say, do you believe that I could do that same stunt with someone sitting in the wheelbarrow? And a few people said, yeah, I reckon... You look like you know what you're doing. You look pretty confident. Yeah, I reckon you could. They had faith in his ability to do that. So then he called upon their trust. And he said, who's going to be the first to get in the barrow? Faith and trust. And my invitation tonight is to ask you, in looking at the word of God and beginning to familiarise ourselves with this documentary evidence, if you like. And in looking at the work of Christ, thinking about his, his crucifixion on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, is there enough faith beginning to well up in you that you could begin to put your trust in God through Jesus Christ? Finally, thirdly, how do I know that I was born um, it's a, I mean, it's been sort of slightly odd 
analogy to, to, to really take seriously, isn't it? I mean, I, I, how do I know I was born? I don't go to my birth certificate. Uh, I don't look at baby photos. How do I know I was born? I know I was born because I'm living. I must have been born <laughs> if I'm living today. Apparently it's, told that it's said that when they first um, created the motion picture, instead of sort of just a, whatever, you know, just still displays, they first created the motion picture. People flocked to the cinemas. And when they came out, all the talk of was, um, you know, they've shown a little film or a little feature, but all the talk was of how they did it. Did, they, did the people really look like they were moving? I mean, really? Really look like those action shots? Really? Yes, yes, you must go and see for yourself. Well, well, nowadays, we know, don't we, that they can create motion pictures. So the talk at the end of the film is not, goodness, how did they make those people move? We know it's possible to have motion pictures. The question now is, well, what does this mean? What was the plot of the film? How were the characters developed? We've moved on. And in much the same way, if we can trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we know that he's alive today, we can begin to say, now, how shall I live in light of that? Not, not, not is it true, but because it's true and I trust it's true, then how will I live? And there we, we rely upon the inner witness of the Spirit. The Word of God, the work of Jesus, and the witness of the Spirit. And I want to say so much more about this on, on Saturday. And I'll take this little machine down and record the talk. So if you're not, unable to make it on Saturday, we'll miss you. Um, but uh, hopefully you won't miss, you, you, don't, you don't have to miss the teaching material there. But let me just say uh, today that, that the inner witness of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, living in us, is how supremely we know that we're alive to God. His life by his spirit, begins to, to grow in us. I often think that um, it, it, for so many of us, it's, it's, it's a gradual thing. We, 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 um, we sort of come across a phrase like becoming a Christian or being born again, and we think, oh my goodness, it sounds so fearful and dramatic. But in one sense, it's, it, it's, it's, it's no different from, um, if I may borrow Claire as an example, this uh, little life that uh, we hope and pray is about to be born into their family. Um, just a tiny little bundle of flesh and blood. But it will just gradually, he or she, will gradually grow into um, uh, just a full place in the Torrance family. Uh, and, and more and more they'll become aware of this little one, right from day one, having a bigger and bigger influence and impact on uh, family Torrance and their budget and their nights. <laughs> Food bills. Um, Mobile phones, yeah. <laughs> and uh, in the same equally wonderful way, the life of God born in us, just slowly, gradually, surely, having his place in the whole of our lives. And uh, the Spirit reveals supremely two things. Truth about God. That the Spirit in us, we, we begin to see, we begin to understand, we begin to realise about God. Suddenly, th this, this book transforms from being some kind of sort of fairy tale, kind of out of date, irrelevant thing that I, think I gather Rupert threw in the bin. We, we, suddenly we think, get it out of the bin. Because actually this, in a bizarre sort of way, that is ringing true with me. The Spirit revealing truth about God. And also the Spirit in us revealing truth about ourselves. The transformation will be, that transformation from, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm, 
I'm a good bloke, basically. I, I stand by truth. Um, you know, I'd, I'd uphold. I do my bit. I do my bit. Fit in a little bit of God, a little bit of church. It, it transforms us. So, so the two things we say. Actually, we start to realize: Did I really say I was good? I, I realize the Spirit of God comes in, and I realize I'm a sinner. I was cut off from God. What on earth did I think I was thinking? I am a sinner and God is a glorious rescuer. That's what the Spirit reveals. I'm not left in my sin. I don't sort of beat myself up and sort of, you know, bow down. I realise the truth as the Spirit convicts and I realise the wonder of the Saviour, the rescuer, who's done something about my sin and brought me into a, a new life, a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the witness and the work of the Spirit. So much more to say on that uh, two days' time. But for now, how can we be sure of our faith? The Word of God, the work of Jesus, the witness of the Spirit. And it may be, just over coffee and uh, what have got donuts and, and things, you may want to look at these questions, talk about whatever came up, or, or use this sort of picture on the, on the sheets on the back. Maybe as a sort of a guide and illustration as to kind of where you feel you are in terms of uh, a relationship with God. If, if, if swimming in the pool is like knowing God personally, then where would you say you are in that kind of uh, picture? It's just there as a guide. Well, uh, thank you for listening. Tea and coffee uh, and refreshments. And then we've got uh, discussion time after that. That's right, and cut that off. That's right. Um.